Wine Work and Passion is brought to you by the Napa Valley Wine Academy, America's premier wine school and two-time winner of the WSET Global Wine Educator of the Year Award. You can find a course that's right for you at NapaValleyWineAcademy.com and use the code in our show notes for a special discount. Welcome, wine enthusiasts and job seekers. I'm your host, Karen Wetzel, and Wine Work and Passion is the podcast where we inspire you to make a career out of your passion for wine. Have you ever wondered what it's like to work for one of the most prestigious wineries in Napa Valley? Well, today you'll meet Amber Mina, Director of Global Sales for Staglin Family Vineyard. She'll share the story of Staglin Family Vineyard, as well as her own unique journey in the wine world. Along the way, Amber will offer insights and advice on how to enter the wine industry and what it takes to work for an iconic producer. Stay tuned until the end when she shares inspiring words to live and work by. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Amber as much as I did. Hi, Amber. Welcome to Wine Work and Passion. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to do this. Well, thanks for making time for us today. I really appreciate it. So can you tell our audience who you are and what you do in the wine industry? Sure. I am Amber Mina, and I am the Global Sales Director for Staglin Family Vineyard in the Napa Valley. Wow. That's a pretty prestigious job. <laughs> so um, I like to, we'll, we'll flesh out all your details in uh, in just a minute, but I want to always like to tell the audience how we connected and why I really wanted to have you on the show. So you and I, uh, I was, I follow Staglin Family Vineyard on Instagram and uh, you want to give us the Instagram handle for that? Sure. It's at Staglin Family Vineyard. Pretty easy. Original. Sounds good. Okay. And you did a video. You were in a little video and I, and I thought, and I know, I know what you do. You, you mentioned what you do in, in uh, sales and I thought, this would be a really interesting person. You had a great way of discussing kind of the ins and outs of, of your of one of your role pretty much. And I thought, well, that would be really interesting for the audience to hear. So I sent you a quick DM figuring I probably won't hear back because it's 50-50 whether you ever hear back. And you got right back to me and it was great. And I really appreciate that. And so here we are. Um, and I think our audience is going to really enjoy uh, your story and all the insights you can give us. Before we start your story, the other thing I like to do is tell the audience, what did you have in your glass last time you had a glass of wine? Well, uh, I can tell you last night I made pumpkin curry. Uh, We actually, uh, my partner and I grew 420 pumpkins here and we we harvested all of them yesterday. Uh, This, this was supposed to be a small, a small thing that turned into a very large thing. And so I feel like we're going to be having pumpkin everything for the next two years. Anyway, so I made pumpkin curry last night. And in my glass, I actually had a Gruner Veltliner from Austria. Beautiful. So it was it was pretty good with the pumpkin curry. So that was what what I had last night. And I actually bought it at Waitrose for eight pounds. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Now you're talking in pounds. Let's tell the audience why. Uh, Well, you're you're getting me today from uh, my office in the UK. So I live in the Napa Valley and I have a house there. And I also have a partner in a house in the UK in the Cotswolds. 
But realistically, I, I really live in a Westin all around the world most of the time. <laughs> well, that's right. Yes, you, you are the global sales director. Yes, so. yes. <laughs> I know what that feels like. Okay, well, great. So let's talk about, about your story. Start us from wherever you'd like to start. Um, tell the audience who you are and how, what your journey has been like. Uh, sure. Well, I would say I grew up with two very hardworking parents. I was a latchkey kid, uh, you know, pretty independent. I would say I was a middle child, which, uh, you know, people tell me all the time that that says a lot. I was also born on a Tuesday and they say Tuesday's chi- chi- Tuesday child is full of grace, which is always interesting. And that stuck with me for my life. But um, I had my best friend, uh, actually her parents owned a supper club in Wisconsin where I grew up in good old Appleton area of Wisconsin, the Fox cities area. And people, most people know the area because it's a half an hour South of green Bay and, uh, green Bay Packers are kind of a big deal in our area. So, right. uh, so anyway, I, I grew up next door to my best friend's, uh, parents restaurant and was, you know, very young, uh, helping her wash dishes uh, and and grew up in that restaurant and went through all the positions, I would say, uh, you know, a dishwasher, a busser, a fry cook, a, a waitress, then at very young was mixing cocktails and making ice cream drinks and old fashions. <laughs> uh, uh, very young, I would say in the 17, 18, you know, year old kind of area. Wow. And I know young at that point. Uh very small town, unincorporated town that we grew up in. And that was a long time ago as well. But uh, anyway, uh, then I started working at a private country club and uh, was bartending at 18. And I was, I just loved bartending. I always did. Uh, I decided at 18 that I could have either go to college or I could uh, stick with bartending and purchase a house. So I, instead of going to college, I purchased a house <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Uh, shortly after I was 21, I uh, ended up working for a distributor. And uh, back in 20, that was 23 years ago, uh, distribution, you know, wine distribution was very different than it is now. You didn't have all of these worldly wines globally. You had people still drinking wines out of a gun or out of a tap. So a, a very different wine scene uh, than it is now, or at least at least in our area anyway. So worked for a distributor and I was really one of the first wine focused, I would say people like uh, on premise is selling to restaurants. And that's when the restaurant markets really started booming. And I would say I did very well, you know, in my early twenties and worked my way through uh, the distribution network. And during that time, I actually uh, went through the quartermaster Psalms or started that did my intro, did my certified uh, that was probably 12 years ago, maybe, or so, maybe 13 years ago. Um, and that was also, I got my certified specialist of wine and spirits and sake and uh, kind of all those things back in the day. And that was when a lot of those things were just coming out, right? It was right. A, a new pro- new programs and things like that. So, And then I got a call one day from uh, the Napa Valley Vintners in, in Napa Valley, and, and I ended up about three and a half weeks later, moving to the Napa Valley and was their domestic marketing um, person. So my job was to go around and uh, talk to trade and get trade excited about the Napa Valley. And and I don't mind saying this, but I think there was a a really interesting time period about, you know, eight, nine, 10 years ago when Napa Valley in in the trade world kind of took an interesting 
an interesting turn. And I think a lot of people really started looking at worldly wines. And I, I think at one point Napa Valley, it just, it was, it was an interesting time in the industry, I should just say. And um, I really went out and started promoting the old classics of Napa and the, and the new Napa. And I think a lot has changed in the last 15 years of in Napa in general, especially in the last five years. And uh, I loved that job. I, I loved the Napa Valley Vintners. You know, they're the trade organization that really uh, protects the Napa Valley, um, promotes the Napa Valley, and all the vintners and the winemakers and the wines and, and name protection, so many things that they do. So I uh, went through that with the earthquake with them. Um, I went through, I think, the first fire with them as well. So a really great group of people that work extremely hard to um, really focus in on the Napa Valley itself. So anyway, I was there. It was lovely. Yeah, that's a great, really great organization. I've done a little bit of dabbling work with them here and there, through mostly through the Napa Valley Wine Academy. And uh, they're really a sensational organization. It's funny, as you're talking, I'm taking all these notes. I am also a middle child. Oh, yes. I love to travel. <laughs> and um, I don't know if I was born on a Tuesday, but I also came up out of bartending. Oh, see, my fair share of ice cream drinks. <laughs> you, yes, I could still name all of them. And I remember muddling old fashions with men's, remember those men's shavers? That's yeah, what, like the oh, horsehair yeah. shavers. That's what we used to muddle old fashions with. That was 30, 30 years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Fun. And, and I also came up through the distributor network. Wow. And sold many a wine that came out of a gun. I'm quite a bit older than you. So back in my day, that was about all there. In fact, I was selling. I started selling wine in the '80s, and the number one selling wine by the glass Chenin Blanc was Vouvray. Actually, oh, Vouvray, no, yeah. Nobody even knew it was Chenin Blanc. I mean, Chardonnay was not anybody's wine list back then. Yes, the isn't that something? Of wine was Puy Fouisset, and nobody knew it was Chardonnay. Right. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. So we yes. have a lot of those uh, little things in common. You mentioned the word trade. What do you mean when you say you market the Napa Valley to the trade? Who's Great. the trade? Yes. So the trade is uh, anyone that is in the wine industry. It could be a wine buyer. It could be an educator. It could be, uh, you know, an owner, a chef. Uh, but uh, there's what they talk about is on-premise um, or off-premise. On-premise trade would be working in the restaurant, club, all those things. And then off-premise would be more of a retail s sector. So the wine trade is, I guess, a, just a very large category of people who work in the wine industry. Okay. Yeah, that's that's helpful. Um, funny, you're talking about the earthquake of 17? Yes. I mean, or 14. I'm sorry, the earthquake of the oh, fire. 14. 14. 14 and 17, yes. And you were here for that? I was. I had actually just bought my house, as we were just talking about. So eight years ago, I bought my house, and uh, I live very close to the. To the, I live on the same line as Trefethen, and as you know, Trefethen was mm -hmm. kind of in that very uh, not so perfect area to be in. And I had right. been in my house not even a month. I had just set up my entire house, and so because Bill and I moved into our house a week after the earthquake. Wow. Wow, we were so lucky and had a lot of survivor's guilt. Let me tell you, because our neighborhood yes. was had a lot of damage to it. Our house yes. did a lot of stuff came out of people's cupboards and furniture. Yes. You know, I have a good friend of mine. I don't know if you know Peter Marks, master. Of, of course, I do. Yeah, and he, I know he works a lot with the vintners. Um, they lost a 15th century grandfather clock. Oh no! From some relative, like one of those stand-up kind. Yes, of course. 
Yeah, uh, that was that was rough. He said that it, he by it was a really long earthquake. They said it like, was. It was so long. Right, and he said by the time he got downstairs, it looked like somebody was sitting in his cupboards just throwing his stuff out of the cupboards. That was about right. how my yes, it was so yeah. scary. And I had never been through an earthquake. I never had been through an earthquake because Wisconsin does not have earthquakes. Our our bad kind of issue is tornadoes. So it was such a, I thought a bomb had gone off. I did not know what was going on. Yeah. I had been through quite a few earthquakes in Southern California, but nothing, nothing of that magnitude. And I'm glad I, I'm glad I missed it. The only big damage, because there was nothing in the house, was our dishwasher had shimmied all the way to the middle of the floor. Oh, wow. Other than that, we were, we were okay. So Anyway, so we have led a very similar path. Up yes, to this one, yes, right? we have. That's great. That's wonderful. Let's let's start off with the history and all of that with Staglin, and then we'll talk about your current role, how you got that role, and and we'll go from there. So let's talk. Sure. About so when I was at the Napa Valley Vintners, I had met Sherry and Garen and Shannon Staglin. Uh, they're very involved in in honestly in the Napa Valley itself, but in many different sectors and. Uh, Sherry, I don't know if Sherry was on the board at that time or not. Um, so working with the NVV, I had been in touch with them. I had worked with them. I had done events at the winery and they just always did everything right. I knew that if I, I knew that if I needed to host, you know, New York sommeliers, I knew that if I called Shannon or Sherry, uh, that I would show up that day on time and everything would be perfect. I'd never have to like check or make sure I just, everything is always right. So, so fast forward, um, I had heard through the grapevine that they were possibly hiring somebody to, to, to do national sales. So national sales being, uh, you know, really working in the U S and taking over distribute, you know, working with distributors and, uh, you know, traveling and doing all these things. And so I, you know, I thought to myself, you know, this is something I'd be interested in. There are very, I don't want to say there are very few people that I wanted to work for. I just knew that if I wanted to, I, I had never thought before I'd really like to work for somebody. And then when that job kind of came up, I thought, wow, I, I've always wanted to do that job. And I knew that was going to be my next kind of step. Right. I mean, this is the perfect opportunity. I always thought that uh, of that of Shramsburg as well. That was always mm-hmm. those two wineries. I just always they always did everything right. Anyway, so I actually called Shannon and I just said Staglin. We kind of chatted, and um, uh, long story short, you know, here I am, and and it, and it just worked. And so it was a a good good part. And I started with them in national sales, and Shannon actually was pregnant at the time. So uh, knowing that she was going on to maternity leave. Um, yeah, I think Sherry wanted to have somebody that came in and just kind of took over that position of, of distribution. So no one really had to deal with it. Um, and so I took that over and, uh, throughout the last, I guess it's been maybe seven years now, six or seven, seven, seven years. And, uh, I took over international maybe two years ago, maybe, maybe a little bit before COVID, and uh, I always kind of kind of dabbled with it with Sherry, but Sherry had always, uh, her and Garen definitely traveled extensively. So she always kind of took care of that. And then uh, I, I was like, you know, why don't you just let me take care of the details of it? And she's still very involved with everything always. It's, it's amazing. 
But uh, I just kind of took that over as well. And I also do social media. And um, we hired a fantastic California sales manager, which is my only kind of partner in crime, I guess. Uh, we went direct in California and we hired her and she's fabulous. So I, I manage her. Um, but I, I think sometimes she manages me because she's so fabulous. <laughs> um, she's fantastic. Uh, but I, I, I feel like we we have a very tiny team at Staglin. Uh, we make wines that are, uh, I think, some of the best in the Napa Valley, obviously. Otherwise, I wouldn't be working there. But uh, the Staglins themselves have worked very hard for almost 40 years, you know, building this fantastic uh, following and reputation of, of, you know, first-class wine, first-class hospitality, and really uh, philanthropy, which I think is uh, not, not as seen in general in the wine world, but um, we have a small wine brand off of Staglin called Salus that we donate 100% of the profits to brain and mental health research, uh, which we've now raised over $540 million. Wow. I know, for brain health. And that all really stemmed from their son being diagnosed with schizophrenia in the late 80s. Oh. Uh, so uh, they, they you know, really wanted to find research and help for their son and realized at that point that no one was really doing a lot for mental health at the time. The stigma was really tough. And uh, now if you look at back at how, how that is comparatively to now, you know, mental health is definitely more in the forefront and you have celebrities that are coming around and, you know, chatting about it and making a little bit, a little bit more friendly, I guess, maybe is the right term. Yeah. Makes it okay to get help. You know, yes. it's such a stigma. People wouldn't seek out any, you know, any kind of help. Um, I want to go back to a couple of quick things sure. that you talked about. So, so uh, when you were national sales manager and also now that you're global sales manager, sales director, um, basically you're working with the distributors around the country and around the world that carry your brands and then they ultimately sell it to the restaurant or the retailer or the hotel or mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. I just want the audience to understand. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yes. So, so my job is essentially like a day, how about a daily week? How about a week? Yeah. Let's do a week in the life. Okay. So let's, let's do last week because it was, it will definitely showcase of where I went from the UK to Canada. And so went to Canada, Toronto, and I worked with our importer there. I did a trade event with all of the restaurants and trade that, uh, you know, have Napa Valley wines. Uh, some have my wine, some didn't. I worked uh, then with media. So I did a media interview. I did a, that night I did a private dinner with um, social media influencers and media as well. Then the next, so that was like a eight in the morning until 10 at night kind of thing. Tuesday, I uh, did a, uh, I met with the LCBO, which is the largest, one of the largest buyers in the world of wine. So everything is kind of goes out, goes out through them. Uh, I then seen some accounts. So sold my wine to some accounts with some importers and then did a private consumer direct event with 30 uh, people who love Napa Valley. Uh, then I flew to Chicago, uh, excuse me, flew to Wisconsin. I was there two days, worked the market and did two wine dinners at night. Um, then I flew to Chicago and did two wine, two, two market visits during the day. So rode with, you know, distributor, uh, salespeople, sold the wine and did dinners at uh, two public restaurants, actually. 
So um, in one week, I was in the UK, Canada, Wisconsin, Chicago. And actually, I forgot to mention that in in between Tuesday and Thursday, I flew back to Napa to get some things and left 16 hours later to go to Wisconsin. So, so that was my week. Uh, well, it's again, it's so many parallels. So I used to work for Constellation mostly. All oh yeah. Years. Yeah. And I, I didn't cover, I, I covered half of the country for white. Well, first I covered four States for sales, did exactly yes. what you're talking about working with sales reps, doing wine dinners at night, doing trade shows. And people would say, Oh, I, you have the, they'd see me at a wine dinner. The best job. The best job. I'm like, yeah, I'll, you know, all 16 hours today. <laughs> you know, this is just the great, this looks good, but there's a yeah. lot more to it. And then I, and then I left the sales team and I went, uh, started working for Peter Merck's and oh, yeah. covered half the U S for wine education. And it was pretty much the same thing, riding in cars, educating our trade accounts. Yes. And then doing, you know, I would do seminars for the Marriott or for Morton's or for Kroger mm-hmm. or Albertsons or whatever. And very similar. And Yes. You know, when you're flying over time zones and then you come, you land and you have five days in front of you that are literally, like you say, sometimes you're in the car by eight o'clock in the morning, maybe Mm -hmm. sometimes earlier. And you're, you know, people at wine dinners, they don't want to go home early. (laughs) They want to stay and hang out and talk. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a wonderful world we live in. And we're, I think you would probably agree. We're very blessed but for anyone who thinks it's not incredibly hard work, yes, it, you know it's it's a big commitment, and especially if you have a family, and, and that's something you know. I hope people listening will consider that. You know, I waited till my kids were grown. Um, you know, I that was not I couldn't be gone. There was just no way to do it. So you know, right. once they were able to take care of themselves on their own, you know, high school older teenagers, you know, with my husband there at the time, um, that was okay. But you have to really consider it is a great lifestyle, mm-hmm. but not for everyone in your life. Yes. <laughs> so, something to, to consider there. The other thing I wanted to back up and talk a, just a second about is, you know, you were talking about a couple of things with Staglin. So for the audience, you have to understand when you say Staglin Family Vineyard here in Napa, this is why I was, I was so excited that you DM me back. This is, Staglin is one of the most prestigious wines, wine brands, wine properties, vineyards that there is. I mean, if you, you know, I always think of it sort of like a first growth of Bordeaux in that mm-hmm. it's five, <laughs> you know. Oh, so thank you. That's nice of you to say. Thank you. No, but it's true. It's a hundred percent true. I mean, this is really a, in my, for me, this is a coup because I know I'm bringing the audience, you know, people want, you know, everybody has a sort of very romantic idea of what Napa is and all these iconic wineries. And there, there are, but this is the, I, the mo- one of the most iconic. And I just want people to understand that. And I'm glad you brought up the philanthropy that uh, Staglin is famous for, because that mm-hmm. is actually, um, I was at a Mentis event. Uh, mm, yes. I'm real, well, that's Peter's wife is their chief fundraising officer. And um, I was, I walk with them and I get invited to a lot of her stuff and I volunteer for them as well. And that was the first time I ever saw the Staglins was there. And, uh, you know, I've, so I've known that side for a long time. And mm-hmm. it is, that's, 
to give back to, you know, to have the success, but to give back is so important. And really everybody here really uh, respects that everybody here in Napa and really around the world, I'm sure, because that's important. We have to have products like that. You know, wine is, uh, is something that can help change the world. And I think that's, it surely is. And I think that was a stepping stone for them into a lot of opportunity in the mental health sector. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, uh, you know, I, I always like to say we check a lot of boxes. We're family owned and operated. And I think that's important to say is not just family owned, because there are a lot of wineries in the world that are family owned, but family operated is a whole different story. Uh, Sherry and Shannon uh, are at the winery every day working. And if I didn't mention, we're also women owned and women run. So Sherry Stadlin, you know, uh, really started. If you think about a woman going out in the mid to late 80s owning a winery and going globally and selling wine, going into New York. I know you said you were selling wine in the 80s as well. Like that wasn't a normal thing. No, um, I was the and, I was the only woman at my company. I oh, mean, there was absolutely we were not you. Right. And 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 they didn't make it easy on us either. <laughs> yes. No, they did not. No, I mean, we when I started in the, in 2000, no, they didn't make it easy on me at, in 2000. Right. Um, so then then, you know, we're organically farmed and have been since day one by David Abreu. David Abreu is definitely a name in the industry now that people known as a vineyard and farm farmer, essentially. Uh, but we were in one of his first clients. And now he's, as you know, he has very, very large and big names around him, including his own brand, Abreu Vineyard. Uh, then uh, 100% Solar Run. Uh, Brandon Steiglin actually took that over in 2002. He became a Solar Run property. So we have a tiny team of less than 15 people um, and really everybody wears a lot of hats and, you know, we, we do a lot of the things and you add in the philanthropy part of it. It really is something pretty amazing. Right. And you don't make a ton of wine. I mean, no, we, no, we make about 6,300 cases, which I mean, uh, I don't, I don't know how to give reference point without calling anybody else out. So we're just very, very, very small. Right. And, and that's, that is one of the, you know, all the things you just mentioned, including the low production, small production, boutique, you know, very sustainable, organic, all of that, you know, woman owned, all those things equal prestige and um, and something to be really coveted. And and I think that that's exactly when I think of Staglin. I, that's, I sort of think of this pyramid and right. your way up at the top and that little tiny part at the top. <laughs> I, I would be, I would be ill if I didn't mention our fantastic winemaking team, because there are very, you just, obviously we have beautiful land and we have great people that farm it and all the things, but our winemaking team, you know, we've had some pretty amazing winemakers throughout the years, Kathy Corison, Celia Welch, Andy Erickson, Luke Marlay, um, now our current winemaker, Frederick Johansson and, and Matt Peterson, uh, the team, Frederick, uh, you know, he's been with us now 15 vintages. And I think Matt has been with us eight vintages. Wow. And those those two just are, you know, I sometimes I, I want to say this. I sometimes think they're a little under the radar because they're a lot of the other people that have worked with us have worked with different you know, they're, they're consultants with other wineries as well. Yes. And Frederick is, and Matt just work for us and that's it. So right. I think that's a, a, also a lot to be said that after all these years, they're still just with us. Yeah. That's a big commitment. Um, especially with the quality of wine they're making, they're mm-hmm. probably sought after and it's a big commitment to stay. And 
and I'm sure it's rewarding for them to to do what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So that's great. So of the jobs that you've had, you know, talk about what kind of qualifications, you know, you talked about yourself, but if somebody's saying, gosh, those sound like, you know, you know, national sales director, global sales director, um, inst- you know, in managing an Instagram account, what kind of qualifications would somebody want to have or should somebody think about having before they dive into those areas? Well, I would say, you know, as mentioned, I wear a lot of hats. You have to be able to do a lot of things. And, you know, me growing up in industry and being able to have all the different pieces have made that part of my job success uh, successful. So working for a distributor, working in the hospitality industry, working very hard, having good core work values. I mean, I called into work last Monday, uh, two, two Mondays ago for the first time ever. But my, I had a toothache and a migraine and I just said, I can't work. I'm dying. It was an office day. I could have, I could have slid by. I know it, but I, I just, it's my first time. Like you just don't, you just have to be really committed. Um, and you know, I mentioned earlier, I didn't go to college and that's, I would say it's not the norm for me to hold a position probably like this and not have a degree. Um, Sherry Staglin, um, when she he- hears this, will probably just cringe because she, if out of any pe- person I've ever met, believes in education. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we talked about it and I said to her, you know, make, I'm making sure you're very aware that I don't have a college degree. And she was like, oh, geez. And she sat and thought about it. And I'm like, you know, but remember, like we're talking about, you know, doing me representing your winery. I want to make sure that you're, you're okay with that. And um, obviously I have a job and it's been going very well. So, uh, you know, I would say that that is uh, sometimes having education in, in reality, right. And in, in working through the positions uh, is just as good as having a, a degree in college. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and now you're really starting to scare me because I also don't have a college degree. <laughs> What's up, and, twinsy, right? <laughs> right. I mean, wow, this is really odd. And I also used to manage the Academy's Instagram accounts. Oh, so. my gosh. Well, I have to tell you, I do not like managing I, the social media part of my job it, uh, is is something that I took on because we, we didn't really no one really focused on it. And I'm like, this is a very important part of growth, especially in a, in a, in a younger generation. So I took it over and I would give pretty much anything to give it to somebody else. But uh, I also want to, we don't have anybody really to give it to. I hate to say that, but. Right. Right. No, that's true. I was, I did it for, I don't know, six or seven months, very in the early infancy of the Academy being really active on Instagram. In fact, at that time, our owner was still managing it. And he's like, mm-hmm. I, I just don't have time to do it. He says, I see you post a couple of personal things on your personal account. Would you mind taking it over? I'm like, you do know how old I am, don't you? <laughs> like, like, this is not a world for someone my age. He's like, oh, you'll be fine. So, you know, which leads me to, you know, talking about lack of college. First of all, I think today, it get, it's a little harder. I mean, obviously, I came, I started in the industry in the 80s. And college, especially, for, I, I would say less than half the women I knew had college and it was mm-hmm. not really a requirement. Um, and, you know, maybe it's not an actual requirement today, but um, it, it definitely opens up more door, doors. But having said that, I do think the wine industry is an industry where if you're willing to make up for your lack of a degree by, like you said, hard work, dedication, self you know, finding a way, self-study, learning, finding a way yes. to learn. 
I think you can, it's one of the rare industries today where you can possibly overcome a lack of a lack of college. You know, we talk about Instagram and laughing, but you know, he gave me this job and I went, I don't know what I'm doing. So I went on YouTube and I learned yes, everything. Right. I, I said, I can learn to be a brain surgeon on YouTube. I think <laughs> everything's there. Right. And, and so aside from that, you know, there, there are, you could, you could do internships and volunteer work. And there are a lot of ways to overcome, but I, to overcome your, you know, maybe lack of a degree, but your point is well taken. You know, when I, I do, I do uh, career coaching for the industry mm-hmm. as well. And for my clients, you know, I'm, I tend to steer them often in the direction of working for a distributor only because A, there's a lot of room to grow. It's pretty stable. It pays decent. Yeah. And you learn so much that makes you marketable to a supplier or a producer or you know, another entity to become a brand ambassador or a sales manager, it opens, it gives you a foundation. And at the distributor level, even today, having a college degree is not really often required. So it's a good foot in the door. And that does really help people overcome, uh, you know, that lack of education. And then, you know, you mentioned some of your certifications. Obviously, I work for the Napa Valley Wine Academy. I have my I have my wine credentials now, but very funny when, you know, in the 80s, early 90s, uh, mid 90s, actually, I was talking to our the owner, I had switched distributors, and I was a big fine wine house. And, and I had been with a Gallo house. So I knew I really didn't know much about wine. I knew a lot about advertising and that kind of thing and case stacks, but I didn't know much about what was in the bottle. And Karen, so before, I, before you go, did you, did, if you say that you went through the Gallo Sales Academy, I'm going to pass out right now. Oh, I did. Oh, so did I. Open body proof and close. <laughs> I was just, this is, we are kind of on the same page because I was just going to say the problem with distribu- distribution now is that nobody actually trains salespeople how to close and how to be a salesperson. Right. And we, I, I also went through that and I, I still say it is the foundation of how I became a great salesperson. Yep. Working for a Gallo distributor was, um, it, it was like, it was like getting paid to go to school. You really learned yes. I mean, it was hard and it wasn't always fun, but you didn't learn a lot about wine, but you learned a lot about sales skills and, yes. you know, and, and, you know, going into a store and looking, looking for opportunities and evaluating a wine list. So, I mean, yeah, it was, in, it was invaluable. Gallo really was the, tra- is, is still to this day, the training ground. I, I could tell you, having been now 37 years in the industry and working for Constellation, so many of us came either from Gallo directly or from a Gallo distributor. It's yes. a great training ground. And thank you, Gallo. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I can still remember they, they didn't have anything on women and what women were supposed to wear. It was only on men. So I was taking this, this, this program and it was saying, show up in your gray suit pants, your white tucked in shirt, your red tie and your gray suit coat. And, um, and it was only, it only ever t- said it in a man. Like it was he, right. or, you know what I mean? It was never about a woman. Right. And I was like, what about me? I'm a woman. Why can't yeah. So oh, there weren't a lot of us. <laughs> yeah. I'm still laughing to this day, but I still think it was one of the best things. It was, they made me do that for a month. I did a month course before I started selling. 
Yeah. Yeah. We, they would do it for us. Uh, like every two years they'd come in and, you know, we'd have to get locked into a conference room for a week. And, and it, and it was really, I'll never forget open body proof and close. I mean, yes. <laughs> I could, you really do learn how to close the deal. And uh, that's really funny. <laughs> anyway. As an aside, just a funny story about that. So I had taken the courses and, and I don't know, a couple of weeks after the last course, I, some, uh, a gal came in and wanted to work with me and they had a gal working for them, which was really okay. very unusual. And so we went to a hotel and I closed on their house wine, which was came out of a gun. Yeah, yeah. And, but that was a big deal. If you could get the house wine, oh God, that were, was it. You were like a God in sales yes. right back then. Right. So, yep. oh, yeah. so, I, so we closed. Well, first of all, the guy said yes. And she kept talking and I'm like, stop. If once they say yes, don't keep selling. <laughs> yes. Anyway, she almost lost the sale. That fine. So the next day I go into the office and my boss was there and I'm like, so proud. I can't wait to see him. And he goes, so how'd yesterday go? I go, oh, it really, really good. We closed all these accounts and I got the house wine at this big hotel. I can't remember the name of it. And he goes, well, that's great. But and I'm like, what's wrong? He says, well, I talked to whatever the girl's name was that you rode with. And she said, you know, you did a pretty good job, but you didn't close the way they taught you. And I thought, but I got the yes. <laughs> I shipped yes. them 20 cases of wine. They didn't close the way you want. Oh, no. I, I was so deflated after that. <laughs> yes, I would have been as well. So anyway, long, that's a funny story. I just figured you, of all people, could yes. really relate to that. So that's really funny. Um, let's see. I've lost track of where we are. So, <laughs> um, so. What? Let's talk about some uh, some things that our audience can do. We talked a little bit about you know how to overcome lack of experience or lack of education, but just in general, what, you know. Oh, I know what we were talking about. We we're talking about getting credentials. So mm-hmm. I had asked my boss. I said, you know, I don't really know that much about wine coming from Gallo. I said, which by the way has changed since then. Gallo does have some very respectable wines now, but it was very different back then. But anyhow. I said, you know, should I take, like, I keep hearing about this, you know, Master of Wine program, or uh, I think the CSW program was around at the time. He's like, nah, don't bother. We'll teach you everything you know, you need to know. So fast forward, I go to work for Constellation and Peter Marks wants to have me on the education team. And I have zero credentials. (gasps) Oh, no. And he said, I will hire you, but you have to get your diploma for WSET. And you'll have to start with level three. So I bypassed one and two. I didn't even bother. I went right to level three, passed my level three. I'm, you, I can't really lie and say I'm still in the diploma program. I have all but one of the units done, and I probably won't at this point bother to finish them. But, but getting credentials is the point. You know, back in our day, maybe it wasn't that important. But I think today, you know, I work for the largest wine school in the world, really, except for WSET itself. We teach mm-hmm. more students. Uh, we teach 35% of the students just in America. Wow. Huge. And I can tell you, there's a lot of competition out there. And this is a great way to overcome a lack of formal college, but also to get your resume to the top of the pile. Well, I mean, and it's also when you go through those testings, right? When, like when I went through the certified SOM, I was one of the first people in Wisconsin. I didn't, I went to YouTube, right? Like how to serve properly, all the things. Right. So, but, so I didn't really have a good base of study group. And back then being a, a certified SOM wasn't a big thing yet. 
obviously in the last five, eight years, it has been. So, you know, my, I mean, to get into a study group, right. To get into a tasting group, to get into, you know, now there's a lot of like zoom groups, like those things weren't around for me back in those days. Um, so Facebook has tasting groups. Oh yeah. There's, I mean, it's amazing now how easy you can just get into any of those things. Right. Uh, and, and start and start doing them. And, and I do think, yes, I would say in the beginning back then when I became a certified some, especially in Wisconsin, it was kind of a big thing. Right. And people, you know, I, I think that back then people are like, Oh, you're a sommelier. You know, they're very right. excited. It's just more of a, it's, I guess maybe also I'm very involved in the business now. So I, I don't, it just seems more mainstream than it used to be. Right. I mean, it's still hard. It's still all those things. And I think it's imperative yeah. if you, if, if you want to get into the wine industry, you, you know, it, it's, you need to know about wine and in order to know about wine, you, you have to get, or you should get some of those accreditations. Yeah. I, you know, it's validation for you. And so that the, prospective, you know, manager that wants to hire you already knows that professional organizations have certified that you actually do kind of know yes. what you're talking about. And uh, no, it, it has, be, and it's also become so much more readily available with online yes. because, you know, we, we do, I mean, I, some, so when I'm teaching, I could have 400 students going at once um, right. on, in different various online courses. And that's really made it so accessible. Good. Um, you know, you can get the little, we send out the little wine kit so you don't have to go out and buy a bunch of wine. I mean, you can really have almost a live experience doing it online. Right. Um, and so you don't have to, you know, if you live in a small town where there's probably not a wine school, you have access, you know, yep. so it's, it, and it, 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 that in and of itself helps build your sort of sense of wine community. I think that's important as well. A anything else you could think of that our audience should be thinking about doing? Yes. I mean, I think trade organizations also like the Napa Valley Vintners, for instance, you can become Napa Valley certified. Uh, you know, I know that oh, they have maps available. If you want on Rio, wines of Rioja, like all of these different uh, yeah. trade organizations have a lot of tools and uh, that uh, tools in order for you to learn about them in order to succeed. Wine trips, you know, going on wine trips, I, I think are, are fantastic. And they're not always looking for the top buyer. Sometimes they're looking for people like new people so they can really be, you know, uh, kind of, I guess, capture you early to make sense, if that makes sense. Right. And, to and to help you become a brand ambassador that way. Yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, a regional, an ambassador for the region mm -hmm. or whatever. And those things look great on your resume, wine travel. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I'm, you know, on my own, I would say personally, like I, I went to many wine industries, even if I, I mean, I, when I left the dis distributor, I was uh, helping manage a portfolio, a global portfolio. So, you know, I went to France and Italy and mm -hmm. New Zealand and, you know, California and Texas I wine stopped. country and Virginia. And, yes, of course. Right. <laughs> Um, but you know, I just interview myself. Yes. So I went to all these places and you should, right. Um, and, and people talk a lot about, you know, travel and I think travel is really important, but I think, uh, in my job, I, I travel a lot. I mean, well over 240 days a year, like it's a lot, right? but, right. but it's taking care of yourself as well, you know, and, yes. and exercise and, and all the things, it, it, you know, incorporating. And so some of the things that I, I know when I think about my industry and why I became successful is I always say you show up and you follow up. And I, I, th I think those are the, that's 80% of sales. That's 80% of friendships. That's, it's all of the things is 
showing up and following up. And um, I would say that is probably why I'm fairly successful in my job is, is that. Uh, number two is, is I mentioned just taking care of yourself. And, you know, that's exercise. It's not drinking too much. It's it's not being the, the person that you wouldn't want to think about in the morning. Like, what did I do? You know, I, I, that's, I always, that's not me ever. Right. That's never me. Right. When, when we used to do a lot of distributor trips and I'd bring our sales teams out to Napa or wherever. And I always say, I always tell them, look, you don't want to be the person everyone's talking about on the airplane ride home. Totally. Don't be that guy or that gal. True. I have a I have a little beep on my phone at eleven o'clock, um, and I would say that hundreds of people could attain to this. That if I'm somewhere at eleven o'clock p.m. and my phone beeps and I look at it, I'm like, "Oh, everybody, I gotta go!" And they're like, "What? You're in the middle of this conversation?" I'm like, "No, nope, right. it's my time to go home because nothing after eleven ever is good." So I'm leaving. Uh, yeah. So so anyway, show up, follow up, and I I think that people and when I say follow up, I mean write the letter or an email, or a thank you, a text, saying thank you to people. It's just people just don't do it anymore. If I met if I met you on the road, if I was like last week in Chicago, last week in Wisconsin, three weeks ago in Switzerland, I sent a thank you that, I, that you tasted our wine. Thank you for tasting our wine and taking the time because I still, to this day, you know, uh, the greatest gift you can give somebody is your time because you know, and to thank somebody for their time is then just a huge, a huge thing. Yeah. You know, I do that on Instagram when somebody starts following me and I, I can't say I do it for everybody, but especially if it's anybody in the trade, yeah, I always DM them and say, thanks so much for following me. I'm looking forward to following you too. So nice to connect with the Napa neighbor or so right, nice right. to somebody else in the industry. You know, those though, and I if somebody sent me that, I'd be like, oh, that's nice. They even noticed that, right, <laughs> that, right, right. that you're following. No, I think those things are, are just super important. I love the self-care because that is something I think back to my years on the road and did a very poor job of, not so much on the over drinking, but on the eating right and making sure you're getting enough sleep. Because it can be brutal when you keep a pace up like you described earlier for your week last mm-hmm. week. You know, you're going to have a very short life if you don't figure out how to mm-hmm. get enough rest and eat correctly and yes. stay, in, stay in contact with your loved ones. And oh, yes, you, know, you have to prioritize those things. And and I can tell you, and I'm sure you've seen it over the years, I know a lot of people who just couldn't get that part right. And it, it really didn't work well for them in the end. And yes. So you do, you definitely have to. Well, I think this industry has, unfortunately, has a bad reputation for that. But it's because, I mean, number one, it's alcohol, right? I mean, it's very easy to misuse it. And it's very easy to to live this lifestyle. I mean, I don't know how many people say to me, I'm like, hey, I'm so sorry. I need four minutes to call my partner. It's fate. It's like two o'clock and he's going to bed, you know, because right. he's he's here in the UK. And right. I'm like, and, and I, I think everybody enjoys hearing his British accent. So it's OK. But, it's, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but but these are the things like you do have to keep up on everything. And I, I don't I don't mind saying that I am probably an overachiever. I probably work too much and all of those things. But I try to really balance the rest of it. I do exercise every day and I, I learned that many years ago I needed to, but, and it's not even, it's for health. Yes. But it's also mental for me. Like I have a lot of unused, a lot of unused energy and a lot of times that really 
I can tell if I don't for a couple of days, my, my partner can definitely tell if I don't for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think that that is very, very, very important. Uh, and getting into this, this job is, is really magical if you allow it to be, you know, you get to lead a lifestyle that maybe you wouldn't have been able to afford, or you maybe would have, uh, even known about. Right. And, uh, I, I'm very proud to work for the family that I do and represent the wines that, that we have. They're, they're delicious and gorgeous and ageable and balanced and all of those things. Um, and I get to see things that I just am constantly like wowed about, but I also, people will say all the time, like, how did you get into that place? And I always say, I asked. And I think that's, that's one, another big thing is, you know, show up, follow up, but it's also asking for it. Ask, right. to ask, ask somebody what you want, because the worst they can say is no. Right. And, and you know, that you don't have to wait for a job posting. If you know you want to work for a company, whether it's wine or anything else, mm-hmm. pursue that. At, yes. say, get to know them. Ask. And, you know, I always tell, again, the coaching clients and the people listening, don't ever let a job description get in your way of applying for the yes. job. Yes. There, you know, that I'll bet you your job description probably said having a degree. Well, but you applied anyway, you know. Yes. You have to remember that the checklist on the job description is the request for a unicorn. Yes. Nobody checks them all. And yes. it's the job you want, find a way to apply for it. And you have other assets that can overcome the things you don't have. You know, Otherwise, it's a hard no. Like you're totally. never going to get a yes. You know, Karen, I have a sidebar on that. And it, as we both mentioned, Gallo, you know, Gallo was the... the they were the people that I wanted to work for. They were and in California. And I interviewed for job after job, but they saw that I didn't have a degree and they denied me all of them. Yep. And, and it wasn't because they didn't like me because a lot of them said, like, if you would have a degree, it'd be so great, but we need somebody now. And then legally, we have to take that position down and we, we have to then wait for, t- we have to take the position down, then post it again without having a degree before we can hire you. You know, it's a lot of jargon that they have to go through, like liabilities yeah. and such. I totally get it. This is, you know, this is 15 years ago. So anyway, uh, but they were the company that I went for. And I was like, I, I put my app, my resume in for, I don't even know how many jobs that I probably wasn't qualified for. Some I was, right. uh, but they never could pull the trigger because I didn't have a degree. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting because when I went to Constellation, um, the job description required college and I didn't mm-hmm. have it and nobody thought anything of it. Wow. I mean, well, well, you have to remember though, by then I had 20 plus years. Of course. Yeah, so, yeah, of course. I mean, really, you, that degree is going to make a difference. <laughs> right. You know, and so maybe maybe that's why because I had a lot of experience by then. But um Oh, yeah. Sometimes it'll be like a, ch- a college degree or 20 years or 15 years of experience or whatever it right. was. Either or way, I just. Someone I, say, yeah, someone say you have to have prior experience in the wine industry. Again, don't let that stop you. Mm-hmm. If you have a don't. passion for wine, you can overcome that. You know, that's mm-hmm. what the interview is for. It's to sell yourself. And you can, you know, it's not, I mean, there's going to be cases like the gala where they're going to say, no, of no, we have to have that. But that's that really was fifteen cool. years ago, though, too. By the way, right, and, and that's more of a rarity today. I think. Um, anything else you want to add to the list? Um, well, I would say you know uh, the best parts of this job are working with people and hospitality and working with great wine. And I, th- I think if you're just starting out in the industry, you know, just 
send thank yous, go see people, do whatever you can start, you know, just start a tasting group. Just like you were saying, DM people, get, get to know people. And, you know, and if you've been in the industry a long time and you, this is what you're, you you want to do is going in, into sales. Uh, like you said, just, it's a lot of times who, you know, as well, right. In the industry. So ask, ask, ask for the job, make phone calls, do all the things that you can do. It's uh, I don't know how many times people say to me, like, do you, what do you know, Amber? And I have to admit, like, I have a lot of friends in the business. So a lot of times I know about jobs before they post, you know, I mean, I don't know, text me, do whatever you want. I don't mind. I'd love to love to hear from you. Right. It's all about networking really in the end. Absolutely. And networking sounds so can be very intimidating when you say that to people like, oh, but networking is, is just doing the things. Think of if you were trying to grow your circle of friends, you have to network. I mean, you may not want to call it networking, but like you say, you know, sending thank yous, calling people up and asking them to get together or whatever it is, you know, all Mm -hmm. those things, um, the littlest thing can be part of networking, DMing, like how you and I met, we DM on Instagram. I have a lot of wine friends through Instagram that a lot of people say, well, you can't really make relationships through Instagram. Well, I'll beg to differ because I have, and Mm -hmm. I don't, certainly not everybody. And that's not where I have most of my friends, but I have a handful of very special people that I've met just by interacting with them on Insta. So that's, you know, even if you're shy and don't want to do it all in person, there's ways to do it, but no networking is in tasting groups. That's part of networking, you know, joining a tasting group. So Mm -hmm. people who love wine hear about wine jobs. So um, the other thing I'll add to that is um, you had, uh, you had talked about trade publications, things like Wine Business Weekly or WineJobs.com or VinePair or, you know, there's there's so many opportunities for that, for places to go and find just what's go- to, just to keep up to date on what's going on in the wine industry. And you'd be surprised how many things pop up from that. So absolutely it's smarter, gives you more to talk about when you are talking to wine professionals. Mm-hmm. So, wow. This has been a great almost hour. I can't believe it. <laughs> wow. Amber, you have been such a great guest and a fountain of information. Let's talk a minute about how people can get a hold of or can sure. find out more about, about you, about Stagland Family Vineyard. Let's talk about that. Well, you can find me in the Sunrise Delta flight most days. <laughs> because by the way, can you believe that we can actually fly in the clouds in a massive metal ship? I think that's just still crazy. Uh, no, but you can find me. Uh, it's my favorite thing. Uh, you can find me at Vino Diva on Instagram. Um, so at Vino Diva or I'm, I'm on Facebook as well. Amber Mino, M-I-H-N-A. Um, then Stagland Family. We're at Stagland Family Vineyard is Instagram and Stagland Family Vineyard is Facebook as well. And then I have my email is Amber at Stagland Family. More than happy to, uh, you know, help anybody that needs any help in the industry. That's very brave of you. Um, yeah, if you go on the website, it's just staglinfamily.com, right? No no vineyard on that. Um, I've got it open. I don't know. Do you have it open? Then yes. Then yes, Staglin yeah, Family. And actually, you can find me on Staglin Family. I'm, I'm, I'm in there. So you can email yep. me from there if you need to. Yep. I, that's how I got to learn more about you. There you go. We met on Insta. Then I... Right, went on the website. There's so many ways to find out information about people. Well, Amber, thank you so much for coming to us today from mm-hmm. the UK after your busy week. 
Um, I know it's late there for you, early for me. Well, it's six um, twelve, which I have to tell you is is just about wine time here. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's still breakfast time for me here. Yes. So, so thanks again. I, I appreciate all of your insights, your story, and your insights for our audience. I know that they're all going to get an awful lot out of this, and and I want to thank our audience too. They're they're always so loyal to come back, and I know they'll enjoy your story. But thanks so much for everything. Mm-hmm. Great. Have a good day. And thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. And I look forward to uh, also getting uh, and starting to listen to the podcast. So um, I have to admit, I have not yet, but now I will. I've just, I've, I've just signed up for it on the, on the podcast thing. Oh, wonderful. Well, we will see you there then. All right. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Amber. Thanks to all of you for joining, and I hope today's show has inspired you to make a career out of your passion for wine. If you'd like to have a one-on-one career coaching session with me, just use the link in the show notes for more information or to schedule an appointment. This podcast is all about helping you follow your dreams, so feel free to send us your suggestions for guests or topics through our email link that's listed in the show notes. And it means an awful lot when you share us with friends or leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll join us again for our next episode.